Slot Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then and you're re- Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email. And it came from a woman who said, you know, what do I do if he's not getting better? I don't know if I should go or if I should stay. Well, the truth of the matter, Mary, is that The bottom line is whatever you want to do is what you should do. You know, if he is not in recovery and he's been exposed to what he is supposed to do, then at least for the moment, prognosis is poor. And what we tell the partners of sex addicts is that you get to decide based on what you need what you're going to do. Now, if you don't want to change what you're doing, if you want to stay in the marriage or you want to live in the house or you don't want to disrupt the family, then it's time for you to figure out what is in your best interest. Now, here's the dilemma. The dilemma is that so often, There is a settling, and by settling, I mean that it is unfortunate that you may have to decide what is in your best interest, even though you could play it out and really go any different direction. So my point is that you decide what you need today and don't feel guilty about staying or leaving. It's whatever you need to do for your psyche. And if keeping everything the same is what you really need to do right now, especially if your brain is offline, if you can't think, 
If you are so devastated that it doesn't feel like you can make a decision, then don't. You can always change what you're doing today, tomorrow. Now, what I know about sex addiction is that when a sex addict finds out what he needs to do to get healthier, he will do that. And the plight of this condition is that oftentimes, oftentimes as he gets good at his recovery, he begins to get complacent. And when he begins to get complacent, he begins to go back to old behaviors. You know, I was just talking with a woman today who said, ay, 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 I cannot believe he was doing so well. I was watching him do well. And then I found out he wasn't. Yeah, maybe she discovered some more information. Or maybe he took a polygraph test and he failed it. Or maybe somebody contacted her. Those are all indicators that he has slipped out of the program and he needs to get back on track, leading you to decide, do you follow his lead? In other words, do you create some boundaries that unfortunately require that you set some consequences and then stick to them. You know, I've had many a sex addict have good intentions and then fall off the wagon. They're not bad people. They really didn't want to fall short. They didn't want to slip or relapse back into addiction. But that's what this addiction can do. It can hijack the brain. And when it hijacks the brain, the largest sex organ, it can take, uh, let's say, steal the sobriety right out of them. Okay, so if you're listening to this, you may go, oh, my gosh, I'll never be safe. But the truth of the matter is, if he doesn't get complacent, if he does everything he's supposed to, the chances of you being duped are very unlikely. Oh, yes, it's been known to happen, but the truth of the matter is if he's working a strong program and he hasn't fallen short and you haven't noticed complacency, he's doing well. And if you have, um, if you have structure in place, it helps him to be accountable. Covenant eyes, a GPS, um, polygraph tests. He will more than likely do better. Now, I have had some addicts and partners who have gone through those accountability tools and he has managed to He's managed to shortchange the recovery process. His addiction has become stronger than his recovery. And then I say usually some sort of therapeutic uh, separation is what is most necessary 
to keep yourself safe and to send a very important message. Now, we're talking men tonight, right? Well, in actuality, we're going to be talking about women. You know, there aren't enough recovery programs for women. And we're seeing more and more and more female sex addicts. Now, maybe they're straight and true sex addicts, or maybe they vacillate and they actually they actually meet the requirements of sex and love addicts. Regardless, more often times than not, whatever their propensity for sexual acting out is, pornography is included in their acting out. So tonight, I'm going to be interviewing expert Jonathan Battery. You know, he is part of the Be Broken Ministries. And he, along with Kimberly Johnson, have developed an online course for women who struggle with online porn addiction. I always tell you, my descriptors are not always accurate because Blog Talk Radio does not allow me to include the word porn or pornography in my descriptor. I appreciate that. They actually don't want me to advertise porn. So I have to become very creative in describing a show without using porn because if I do, uh, they put orn. (laughs) And so tonight I'm talking about online internet addiction, which is which is the safe way to say porn addiction for women. And you know, it can be much, much harder for women who want help and are struggling with porn addiction because they don't want to admit this. And most resources seem to be geared towards men. And so this show is specifically for women who have porn addictions. And if you're listening to the show and you have somebody in your recovery group um, who is suffering, porn, for, uh, suffering from porn addiction and she's a woman, refer her back to tonight's show because we're going to be talking about the online course that actually helps her to heal. Now, it can be daunting because much of our society is porn neutral. And much of our society believes that pornography can be a sexual aid, if you will. And that's why many couples are encouraged to look at porn to enhance their sexual life. And you're talking to somebody who's trained like that and worked in the field for maybe two years. And then I decided that I knew what I knew. And that was that porn objectifies people. And I am not a proponent of any activity, any uh, visual image that objectifies a man, a woman, children. I just won't do it. So I'm no longer porn neutral. Um, 
I never actually was, but I certainly thought that was the way I was to be to be a good clinician. And when you know better, you do better. And now I do better by saying, I just don't believe that pornography is right for anybody, even if they don't have a propensity towards addiction. It's not a healthy thing to do. And certainly for addicts, both men and women, pornography is the gateway to other forms of acting out. But in and of itself, it can be devastating. Even if it doesn't lead to acting out, what we know to be true is that pornography really desensitizes people to true connection to human connection that is the essence of what life is about, the sacredness of you will, if you will, of life. And so I'm excited to talk with Jonathan about this online course and find out what kind of research has occurred to substantiate the online course that they have called and this is really special, um, 40 Days of Purity for Women. And um, I was actually on Jonathan's show talking about Help Her Heal. And when I heard about this course, I said, you know, there just aren't enough resources for women. And I want to talk more about what we can do to get women to heal. Even if women are sex and love addicts, they use sex to encourage someone to love them. And that's not the right order. You don't use sex to find love. You find love and you connect, and then you find true sexual harmony. And so I am a big believer in developing a relationship where you can really trust somebody and develop an intimacy. And you all know that I'm a big proponent of empathy, and empathy is part of intimacy. And I just have not been able to find people who could do it any other way and feel good about themselves. And so Jonathan is going to be talking about Be Broken Ministries and this course for women. And I'm just glad we can open up the dialogue because women need the help and the shame that can oftentimes accompany them is detrimental to them finding the help that they really need. And so tonight we're going to be talking about what resources are available for women women to help them heal from porn addiction and from their own sexual brokenness. So, Jonathan, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Hey, Carol. Thanks. I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah, we, it's been a while, and you and I really seem to share a lot of the same philosophies. and. And I was so excited to hear about this online course. Can you share a little bit about your journey and Be Broken Ministries and how it evolved 
into offering this very specialized course for women who suffer from porn addiction. Sure, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I came out of my own sexual brokenness and my own porn and sex addiction. You know, I was enslaved in that for a number of years. And then uh, when I started getting recovery and freedom from that in my mid to late 20s, um, then I just felt this calling into ministry. And so it started naturally where what I was familiar with. I started with helping men. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't have to do this ministry for very long before I realized, you know, this is not just a man's problem, uh, even though I think sometimes it's been sort of relegated like that, like pornography, oh, it's a guy's problem. Um, but I started realizing as we were helping uh, a lot of men recover from sexual addiction and pornography, uh, we would we would every now and then get these brave women that would contact us and say, yeah, but what about us? What about me? I, I, I'm struggling too. And to be honest with you, Carol, at first it, I had kind of deer in the headlights. I'm like, I'm a man. I don't know how to talk to a woman in terms of how I don't. I couldn't identify in the sense of like I don't know what I could offer you as a man to try to help you with this. Um, and so we really worked hard to try to connect with other ministries and other people, and that's where you know, kind of fast forward, um, as we have networked over the years and really just developed lots of great relationships with incredible counselors and, and other people in this field of work, um, uh, a counselor and therapist, Kim Johnson, out of uh, Houston area, um, really came up on the radar. And then she uh, she's the one that really was able to produce the content for this uh, 40 Days of Purity online course for women because uh, she's not only a counselor and therapist, but she's got her own backstory of her own porn and sexual brokenness issues. So she's able to bring both the sort of professional side of, of counseling, but also the personal journey of uh, this isn't just some kind of uh, ivory tower content. This is somebody who's actually walked it. Uh, and so I feel like that's always so critical because I, I do believe, Carol, unless we have a a story that can connect to people's pain and their own story, it's very hard to have any type of credible influence into somebody else's life. And so that's one of our core values here is story. We need to be able to tell people it's okay to to share your story. It's okay um, to bring your brokenness and realize that there mm-hmm. there's hope. There are people who care. Well, you're exactly right. And so I'm going to ask you the million-dollar question because um, there are people out there, just in the general public, I'm sure, that that would feel like porn is a male thing and not a female thing. And yet I want to ask you, do you and Kimberly believe that porn is a big problem for women? Uh, yeah, it's an I would put it this way. It's it's still not anywhere close to the scale that it is statistically for men in terms of the numbers of, of people viewing it and, and all of that kind of stuff. But it has exponentially grown. Um, roughly 2003, 2005, somewhere in there, it was estimated. Keep in mind, you know, the Internet was still pretty young then. Um, we didn't have, you know, smartphones or anything like that yet. But still, it was estimated that maybe – 10 to 14% of online pornography viewing was by a woman or a hit on an online porn site was by a woman. Well, in less than 10 years, like by 2013, 
that number had grown to roughly one third of all hits on websites were by women. Um, and so, so some of the researchers are really trying to, I mean, as I was, as I've done research in this area and I'm, I'm by no means a researcher, my main, you know, uh, what I bring to this is my own personal story and just trying to help other people get into the, to the help that they need. But the things that I've read is, is that was perplexing for a lot of people looking at that saying, wait a second, you're telling me one in three hits on a porn website is by a woman and that increased, you know, threefold in 10 years. And, and a lot of, uh, what I've read about that has to do with, we have built such a cultural narrative around sex and sexuality that has made pornography especially normative across gender lines. So in other words, it's not like it's, if I could put it this way, Carol, it's not like sexual brokenness is just a guy's problem. You know, like, it's not like porn is just a guy's problem. We're, so we're mm-hmm. sort of creating this uh, cultural narrative that is saying, hey, everybody should be able to just do whatever they want and pursue whatever they want. And so in some ways, by continuing to make it more normal in the culture, it feels less threatening and quote-unquote shameful maybe for a woman to pursue pornography. Now keep in mind a lot of the research is showing that the motivations for maybe why a female goes to viewing pornography is not exactly the same as why a male goes to pursue pornography. But And pornographers know this because one of the biggest things that they said that was a factor in uh, creating that um, increase of viewing by women was that pornographers mm-hmm. realize that men go to look at porn purely for like a sexual release. They're looking for bodies. They're looking for images. That's basically it. Whereas women were wanting a story. And so even pornographers began to incorporate more story elements into their porn so that it felt more like they're engaged. The women are coming to sort of, quote unquote, participate in a relational aspect. Uh, So that's some of the things that are going on there. But definitely, it's a real deal problem with women. But I also think it's a problem that in some ways is, is harder for women to feel confident to seek help for, because there's still that that idea that this is a man's problem. And so there's like this double shame sometimes that a woman feels like if she feels like I, I would like help for this, the amount of courage that it takes for a woman to go seek help is like 10 times the amount of courage that it takes for a man to go seek help. Well, you know, Jonathan, I have to say that I talk to a lot of people across the boards, many of which don't have addictions or They don't know that they're heading that direction. And when I talk to young women, probably between the ages of 18 and 30, I realize that we really are in a culture where men and women look at pornography together, not just solo, but at dorm parties and at after parties. And so women are taught that if they want to be accepted by the male population, it's hip to watch pornography with them, which, of course, Hmm. stimulates them to reenact what they've seen. And so I believe that a lot of women actually 
develop the compulsion because they thought it was a way to be accepted within the the heterosexual population and and that's troublesome to me because obviously it's like they don't know what they don't know and then they participate because it looks like it's cool it's something that everybody does and then of course while they're on their own they're going to look at pornography and before they know it it becomes a compulsion and it may have started out as part of a social experiment if you will but it has moved into I need to do this to feel included to feel special Mm -hmm. and um that is what I feel has been so problematic both for college-age women, and we know that whatever is happening with college-age women is also help, ha- happening to adolescents and even younger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the irony of what you're talking about there is it's uh, – because I totally agree with you. There is this pattern of – because one of the reasons that I think uh, – women especially, but really anybody, a young person can get involved in pornography is there's a sense of peer pressure or cultural pressure even. Because again, if porn is increasingly seen as normative, then if you are not participating or you're not engaging, then you're the outlier. And so there is this sense of, well, I'd at least need to, you know, not seem shocked or not seem appalled or, or certainly not resist whatever's happening in this group of people. Um, But the irony is, is that some of these studies have found that when then a woman gets into a relationship with a man, so pornography might have preceded that relationship for both of them. But what's interesting is when that woman gets in a relationship with a man, the vast majority of women that were polled in terms of what does porn use by either one of them mean to the relationship, it was all negative. I mean, in the sense of like whether the woman or the man is viewing pornography, it had massive negative ramifications on trust and confidence and all those kinds of things that were part of a healthy, thriving relationship, right? And so it's kind of like mm-hmm. there's this horrible lure that pulls a pulls a woman in and then it just like stabs her in the heart, <laughs> you know, when, when it comes to actually trying to have a real relationship with someone. And so I do think there, at, at the very least, there's a massive amount of just chaos and confusion in the soul of a woman who's just been torn up by these messages of pornography, not just the porn itself, but even just what, what the messages are to her in terms of, well, what is her value as a female um, is it purely sexual? Is it, you know, is it only her body? I mean, is she more than that? Um, and so pornography will will cause her to believe, if she really believes what pornography is telling her, that her value isn't really much more than that, that that her value is based on her attractiveness, based on her, you know, uh, sexuality. And that's about it, because porn is going to certainly promote that that is the only value that a person has because that's the product that porn is selling is sex. Um, so yes, I do think that, that there is a, there's an avenue that draws a woman into this. And then when she, when she does finally realize, let's say in a relationship or just later on that, Oh, that, that was a false promise for where I thought this was going to take me. 
a lot of times because then there has been a lot of porn use at that point, sometimes then the biological compulsivity kicks in, the addictive aspect of it. And so then she she does feel trapped because she's thinking, this has kind of become a part of my ritual and my routine. And I thought once I got into a real relationship, I could just let it go. But it's kind of still pulling at me. It's still a lure. Yes, absolutely. So it's hard to break free. It's hard to break free even when she makes that realization. Well, and I think that adds to the shame that a woman may feel that's separate from a man's. I mean, they both have their own shame. But I know that you realize, because you referenced it earlier, that there is an added shame for women who struggle with online porn. And part of it is they end up objectifying themselves because they're confused and they wonder who they are and where they stand. And as you indicated, are they are they just appreciated for their body, for their physical beauty, for their ability to perform, whatever? Do you think there's other added shame for women who struggle with online porn? Yeah, because in, in fact, as you were saying that, the first thing that popped into my head is so we've we've you know I've I've personally had tons of experience in in helping men through recovering from porn addiction, and you know there will be there's always a, a small percentage of guys that hey pornography there was a you know their viewing of pornography they kind of had a comparison mentality like hey do I measure up to the 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 porn you know star or whatever. But that's actually very, very small in the thousands of men that we've helped. And so there's not so, – so men aren't necessarily doing a lot of body image comparisons when it comes to pornography. I think it's totally different for women uh, because, again, porn in general is, is training an entire culture to think especially of females as only having as much value – as their attractiveness, as it relates to sexuality. So that's, the, that's so much of the added pressure that I think is on a woman just from a very young age. You know, the idea of, am I attractive enough? Do I measure up kind of a thing? And then the standard for measuring up is like a porn actress. And so I think there's a lot more comparison in terms of body image going on with a lot of women. And you know, even in the best of circumstances, even in the healthiest of like, you know, uh, family dynamics growing up, that's that's a part of, I think, the female experience of just going from childhood to adulthood is just that idea of comparison. But it seems like it's then put on steroids when you add this cultural pornographic narrative that comes into it. Um, and so I think that then when a woman gets involved in pornography to the point where she feels she feels trapped or it's just become part of her her normal routine that's then i think some of that added shame is now she's been comparing herself to something that in her own mind she begins to believe i could never measure up and then once she feels stuck where is she going to turn for help like she doesn't feel like I mean, the shame is just so heavy to a point where that's why i think they're at least anecdotally in my experience, it seems to me like there's a higher degree of depression and anxiety in women who develop a full-blown porn addiction than men. It exists for men, don't get me wrong. But I feel like, again, some of the what we're talking about here with that shame and body image issues, there's a 
there seems to be a higher degree of that outcome of depression and anxiety around around kind of their own worth as a human being. Well, and, you know, I, I remember back in uh, February when I had a men's group, and it was Monday. It was the Monday after Super Bowl. And I said, okay, who wants to check in? And the first guy said, you know what? I am still traumatized by being with my wife watching the halftime show because mm. the women were so sexualized. I had my kids there, and I knew that by allowing them to watch what they watched, I was showing them that women are objectified, that women objectify themselves, and that a whole audience of normal people i.e. sports lovers and party goers and blah, 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 um, are appreciative of that kind of dancing, that kind of costuming, that kind of um, posturing. And so obviously we teach men early on as boys and we teach girls that they can be sexual at age five, six, seven, or eight, if they dance like that, look like that, dress like that. And that is really the beginning of soft porn. And so by the Mm -hmm. time they do um, meet somebody they really care about who watches porn, or they do participate in parties that result in watching porn, they really have accepted the subtle message that this is how I feel a part of the group, and this is how I need to view myself. And you're right, that added shame adds to ongoing relational problems, depression, anxiety, and you you nailed it when you said comparison, because comparison for women is just absolutely the roughest and toughest thing that they can do. Uh, if they compare themselves to others, they're never really going to feel good enough. So, you know, obviously you've studied this a long time with men, and you have partnered with Kimberly Johnson, who has her own story, and who put this online course together. Tell us a little bit about the course and how one can go to the course, take the course, and find out how they can help themselves. Mm-hmm. Can I say one real quick thing about when you were mentioning the halftime show and some of that kind of stuff that I, I just Absolutely. think it's really important for, I think it's really important for both women and men to hear this because I think, again, I think part of what a, what we might call a pornified culture has taught us to believe about our bodies, uh, both male and female, is that our bodies are purely one dimensional and they're only sexual. And so the idea is, and, and porn, it just reinforces that, like your value, and especially for women, your value is your sexuality. And so it almost, feel, it almost makes both men and women feel like any and every sensation that I could possibly have, any and every movement that I could possibly make with my body has this horrible potential of, of, of sex, being sexual. And it's like we've lost a vast majority of what it means to be an embodied person, like what it means to have a physical body. And so I think it's it's sad to me because what happens is, like you're saying, so many girls especially are being raised to believe that their bodies are 
only a sexual symbol. Instead of, in other words, it's like, can we have, can can we have a hug? Can we smile? Can we laugh? And not every motion and movement of our body be seen as, oh, that was a sexual cue or that was some kind of sexual movement. You know what I mean? And so I think there's a sense in which we need to reclaim some of the realities of the goodness of our bodies. And it's okay that we have bodies. Um, and I think especially for women who are coming out of pornography, and this is a lot of what the course helps with, is there's, there's a lot of healing that needs to happen when it comes to the shame element and the body image and those things. And some of what the course, I think, is helping women do is realize that, yeah, they might come to the course because they've got an issue with porn or specific sexual brokenness issue, and they really want to work on that. But hopefully by the time they get through the end of the course, they realize that, what we're trying to help a woman see is her true worth and her true value and that her body is actually good. Like it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be, be you know, feel like you're gross inside your body. Um, and so that's where, that's where I think this course can help women not only recover from any kind of, let's say, porn addiction or some specific behavior, but really a lot to be able to come out of that shame and be able to know what does it mean to to be made in the image of God and have value and worth that's intrinsic to being a human person. Um, and so the course is uh, is available through our our website on purelifeacademy.org. Uh, that's our online training platform. And so if a woman were to just go to purelifeacademy.org and click on the women uh, tab at the top of the page, um, she would be able to find find the course. Yes, and so I want to reiterate that obviously your work started with Be Broken Ministries, and you have helped thousands of men, your organization has, to look at their own sexual behaviors and find sexual integrity. And it is a ministry. And and you really believe that it's important for people to understand that, you know, the way out is finding God, finding community, and finding their own resiliency and endurance. And so just tell us a little bit about Be Broken Ministries and and that platform and what that does for men? Yeah, so uh, like I said, we've, we started out with really helping men. We've been around since 2003, so we've got a lot of history in terms of doing this. Um, and so we really started out primarily as kind of a, an addiction recovery ministry for men, and now it's it's morphed to where we, we help men, women, and families um, to be able to, as we say on our mission statement, move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ. Um, we do really believe that uh, being made in the image of God is valuable and important, um, and therefore, because of that, we believe that every human being has intrinsic, inherent dignity and worth. No matter what they've done, no matter what's been done to them, um, we want to we want to we want to breathe that life back into people who have felt broken and ashamed and just um, you know used and. Uh, and kind of at the end of themselves, we want to we want to remind them that no, you are you are valuable not because you could or have done anything. You're valuable because you're a human being. And I think when we start from that point, 
it helps people understand what grace really means, like it's a gift, like life is a gift, and, and we want to help people learn what it means to actually live within that gift. And, um, and, and we've just seen people blossom when they, when they recognize that God actually does love them, God actually does care about even their bodies and, and their sexuality. Um, that's not exactly a message that people often connect with God, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, we've created this really hard line between God and sex, um, but he was the inventor, uh, so he made our bodies, and therefore we believe that it's good to recognize how he made us and, and live into that. Well, absolutely, and and what I have really appreciated about the Broken Ministries is that You know, you have, you come from a foundation of believing that it is God that can help to heal. And certainly any 12-step program says, if you can't surrender to your higher power, um, you're probably not going to be successful in this. And I know that agnostics and atheists use their higher power as the group or something else, but... Mm -hmm. There's no doubt in my mind that most men and women do believe that there is a higher power, that there is something bigger than themselves that has helped to orchestrate them. Giving up control is so tough, isn't it, Jonathan? Yeah, and I think it's important to realize, like, I think everybody – I don't know, Carol, maybe some of this especially comes just the longer you live life too. You there's a there are there are seasons that that happen in life that really give us some stark reminders of maybe how small and weak and frail we actually are. That that we don't have absolute control of our lives. We don't have you know, like we can't sometimes we want to try to force particular outcomes and then guess what? COVID happens. You know what I mean? Or something something totally outside of anything that we could possibly control comes into our lives and we realize, okay, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I'm not as smart as I thought I was. And And I think what you're getting at in this faith component is there's a recognition by anyone who's actually really engaged a recovery program where they understand the necessity of humility. Like, I've never met a person yet who has recovered from any kind of addiction while being proud. <laughs> it's like they're mutually exclusive. In other words, I can't stay in a, in a, in a mindset where, no, I'm in total control and I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to make it work. I've never seen anybody successfully recover. There's a point at which you have to say, actually, I can't do this on my own. I need the help of others. I need, I need help. And it takes a humility to admit help. And that's, that's one of the things I really – I want the women especially out there to hear the strength that there comes through humility because I think sometimes the shame can cause her to make her feel like, no, it wouldn't be good for me to open my mouth and tell my story to anybody or, or reach out for help because I'm just too full of shame. And if they heard that, they would – you know, they'd reject me. And I think when we recognize that it's through humility and 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 getting into a safe environment where I can tell my story, that that's the avenue through which incredible power and strength comes into our lives. 
not by me saying, okay, I'm going to stay quiet, I'm going to do it all on my own, and I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. That is almost always going to lead to a negative outcome. It's almost going to compound your problem rather than actually help it. So we are definitely advocates of creating safe environments, grace-based environments where people can share their stories so that they can begin to, to kind of taste and see that, yeah, you know what, when I, when I actually admit I don't have it all together and I'm around people who understand that, oh, my goodness, what a breath of fresh air that is. It's like it breathes new life into your soul when you recognize I don't have to have it all together and, and there's a way out. Absolutely. And, you know, we're talking about that resource, uh, that not having to do it all by yourself. But the truth of the matter is, and I so appreciate you having talked about this before with me, um, there are people that believe that the church has sometimes hindered men and women, but especially women, from getting help from wanted sexual behaviors. There, there can be so much shame in that. Can you speak a little bit about that and what you tell people and what Kimberly Johnson would say to um, combat that shame? Yeah, well, I do think there's been a long history, sadly, where uh, the predominant vibe or message that's been given to a lot of women in uh, the church is, again, number one, hey, it's a man's problem. So if you even came forward with it, you'd sort of be looked at sideways like, what are you talking about? You couldn't possibly have that problem because only men struggle with lust and pornography. You know, So so it would almost be like, yeah, I, I don't necessarily consider that a safe environment because I'd probably be shamed even more because or, or just dismissed. I think that's one of the things I've heard from a lot of women. They feel like they are their their porn problem is invalidated because it's just seen as no, a woman could not struggle with that because it's only a man's problem. Uh, The other thing too, is I think because there's a massive amount of ignorance among a lot of church leaders um, about just sexuality, you know, just all of the, the struggles that people have. And so therefore um, I would actually say (laughs) I would actually say one of the things that people in the church, especially in leadership, need to do is they need to take the intention of getting educated in this area. That's one of the things that our ministry seeks to do is come alongside church leaders and help them understand, do you really understand how sexuality works and the problems that are out there and how they can be uh, uh, addressed? And so um, sometimes, uh, this may sound weird, um, but Sometimes the church is not the first safe place to go for a woman who's dealing with this. This is one of the reasons why I think it's so good that there's been a lot of what we call parachurch ministries, like these come along, you know, these these independent ministries that, um, yes, they're Christian ministries, but they're not necessarily tied into a specific denomination or church, like Be Broken Ministries, that's what we are, because it creates sort of a, a softer entry point, because now you're able to deal with people who do get it, who understand the issues um, and can create those safe environments while we at the same time are trying to help church leaders kind of get over their ignorance and actually be helpful. The other thing, too, is I'm, I always steal a line from um, Jessica Harris, who she's formed a ministry called Beggar's Daughter, and it's another great ministry for, for women who are struggling with porn and other problems. Um, but she's one of the things she says to pastors and church leaders is she says, whenever you're talking about pornography or any sexual struggle in the church, 
So she said, just add these two words to everything you're saying, and women. You know, and I thought that's a great way to think about it. It's like, because again, there's mm-hmm. this, this idea that, you know, pornography, and you'll even hear some pastors say that. So t- this morning we're going to be talking about, you know, pornography. And, you know, really we know this is really kind of a message only for the men, but you ladies could probably benefit too. You know, just kind of a condescending, like, okay, well, you just shut down the one-third of women in your congregation who are looking at pornography. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you just cut them off. They have no access to whatever you're about to say because you've you've eliminated them. You've dismissed them. And so we need to have much more of an inclusive message that says this issue of pornography is ubiquitous. It's universal. It, every single person is somehow is touched by it in some way, whether – through their own personal struggle or someone that they know who has a personal struggle. I would be I would find it hard in the in the United States of America to find a single person who's not connected to somebody that's connected to porn. There's it's just everywhere. So I think we need to have much more of an inclusive message within the church that says everybody is welcome to to share their story and get help for this issue. Yeah, I love that. And so once again for our listening audience um, to be able to get onto this online course, they have to go to purelifeacademy.org and then look for 40 Days for Women. And that's on the site. And mm-hmm. that is actually an online porn course that will help them break free from pornography. I mean, what yes. is the curriculum? Yeah, so basically, I mean, when we say it's a 40 days course, what happens is when when a woman enrolls, she's going to get access daily to the course. In other words, it's not she's not going to go all 40 days at once. It's literally going to be over 40 days that she's going to be getting the course content. And there's there are uh, interactive videos. There's content on there for her to read, to view. To I mean, there's there's questions along the way to make sure that the content is getting into her. So it's it's much more than just it, it's not like a it's not a purely academic exercise. Like this is more of an interactive kind of course. In fact, part of the course even includes um, uh, she can schedule live Q and A. Uh, sessions with Kimberly Johnson, who's the creator of the course, periodically throughout the course. So she can have live interactions with a person who really knows what they're talking about, the one who actually created the course. So there's a lot of value in the course to to help a woman really move forward. We, we're we not interested in our ministry with uh, like creating just static content or content that doesn't actually help a person move or transition from one point to another point. We want to actually see people's lives change, not just fill their head with more information. Um, so the other thing, too, that I think is important for, for your listeners to know is that when anybody enrolls in any of our courses on our platform, our Pure Life Academy platform, they have lifetime access to it. So we expect uh, this has happened many times in the the men's course uh some you know guys get done with the course and then they realize man that was there's so much in there and i always tell them you have lifetime access go back to any one of the days anytime you want i've probably gone through the men's course maybe a dozen times over the last you know the how many years um just kind of to go back over the principles so that's another value to the course is she would have lifetime access to all the content 
Yeah, what a value that is. And so does this course in any way talk about or address slips or relapses, which you and I both know are so um, so much a part of sex addiction? Yeah, so, I mean, it definitely is going to address that. In fact, you know, over 40 days, there's a lot of content in there, and, and, and it's – Here's what I would say about the course. It's it's fairly comprehensive in terms of covering all the aspects of what it takes to, you know, break free from pornography or some other kind of unwanted sexual behavior. Um but but no course is exhaustive. You know what I mean? It's like cause the reason is is because every person who engages the course has their own unique history and their own unique story. So nobody out there could ever create something that's exhaustive, like, hey, we're going to touch every single topic that you've ever faced in your entire life. No, but we do, we key in on the major uh, principles of what it takes to break free. And certainly dealing with relapses and things like that is very important to be able to understand, hey, this is a journey of growth, not a journey of perfection. In fact, that's one of the fundamental things we try to help people who are coming into any one of our programs is we want to we want to help them with a paradigm shift to say, hey, you're probably coming here thinking that, you know, you want the silver bullet, you want, you know, the right pill to take so that, you know, you're done, you're fixed. And we try to help people to say, no, what we're inviting you into is a journey of transformation that is ongoing. And so when it comes to things like relapse, one of the things that we want people to know is um, slips and stumbles and things like that are part of the journey, but they don't have to look at them through that shame lens that says, hey, if I fall on the on the journey, it's fatal. Like, I'm over. It's done. I, I mean, we want them to look at it and to say, well, if you have a growth paradigm, meaning you're trying to learn, then how does that reframe failure? Oh, I can learn from it. In fact, I take people outside of the context of pornography or whatever their sexual brokenness is and say, hey, let's talk about anything that you've ever learned in your life, like, like learning how to drive or learning to ride a bike. Like, did you grow the skill in that area by never failing? And, of course, everybody goes, of course not. I mean, you, everybody fails. Bingo. So how did you get better in those areas? Well, you looked at the failure not through a lens of shame but through a lens of, well, what, what happened there? How did I get off track there? What can I do better next time when that same situation comes up? And we want people to have that same mindset. And it's amazing how that paradigm shift in itself starts to reduce the shame in a person's life because they realize failure is not what defines me. Failure is just another opportunity to learn how to do something different the next time. Uh, and the other thing, too, one of the other areas that we deal with in the course is just the issue of accountability, too. Um, because like you, you mentioned earlier, you know, any of these recovery programs and all that, the reality is, man, community is so essential to living a life of of integrity. And so we touch on that as well. Like what are the key principles of building these kinds of relationships that aren't that aren't aren't just about, you know, curbing behavior, but really dealing also with the the emotional triggers and, and other things that are part of uh the struggle. Um so that's part of what the course entails as well. Okay, well, I know we just have a couple of minutes, but certainly you indicated earlier that somebody who's struggling with this, if they have humility and that openness and brokenness, they are 
much more likely to realize that they can't do it on their own and they can rely on God to get them where they need to be. Now, you talk about grace and how that's essential for true recovery. So as we wrap up for tonight, can you share a little bit about how grace really is not performance-based? It's it's really Mm -hmm. something very special, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. When when we talk about grace, especially in kind of the context of recovery or pursuing integrity or getting out, out from underneath something that's just been, you know, crushing you, um, grace is related to your worth as a person. It's kind of like what I was talking about before. Because you're made in the image of God, you already have intrinsic worth, and that worth is never based on anything that you could do, good or bad. It's It's by God's grace that he sees you as valuable because he made you. The difference between grace-based recovery and, let's say, a performance-based recovery is performance-based recovery is always based on how, how are you doing behaviorally. So if you have a great week, then, okay, great, I'm worth more. But if I have a terrible week, I'm worth less. And it's like the stress and the anxiety and, and all of that is just too much to handle. So what we want people to do is whenever they come into any kind of environment that we're seeking to help them in is we say, hey, this is a grace-based environment. We like to call them no-shame zones. Because if you come in here and you had a crappy week, guess what? God still loves you the same. The The same price that was paid for your life on the cross is the same today as it was when you, when you walked in here. If you come in today and you had a quote-unquote perfect week, guess what? God can't love you anymore. The perfection of his love was displayed for us in Christ. And so, therefore, that's a perfect 10 in terms of how much he loves you. So, therefore, no matter what the the circumstantial sort of uh, roller coaster looks like, your value can't change. And that's in, that's critical. It's amazing because sometimes you can – you know, when you have a great week, you're thinking that you're worth more. In fact, it's like, no, you had a great week, enjoy it, but God loves you exactly the same, and so do we. You come in here, you have a terrible week, you think you're worth less. Well, no, God loves you just the same, and so do we. And so we want to reinforce that message of grace, and it, and we believe, and we've, because we've seen it, in the long term, grace is what transforms people's lives. Because when they start to get motivated by the, the fact that their value can't change, it's like that builds a love within them that gets them outside of themselves, and they start to see their lives as having meaning and purpose. And and then they can pass along what's happening in their life to other people. And so that's why we believe grace is the most powerful engine for change in a person's life, not basing your worth and your value on your performance. Jonathan, thank you so much for sharing this important information. I always really appreciate your clear message. And I just want you to know this is an an amazing resource for women. I'm glad that you and Kimberly are working together on this. And keep me posted. I want to know about other projects that you you both are doing. Thanks again. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. It It was my pleasure. Okay. You take care. All right, bye-bye. That was Jonathan Story, and he is part of the Broken Ministries. I'm Carol Jurgensajit, a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and we'll see you back here next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach.
And you know what I always say? There will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Have a great day.